Big Show Digest. I'm your host, Mateo. We haven't done a show in a minute. Um, the Austin Reeves game winner against Dallas was our last show, and that was about two or so weeks ago. Since then, a lot has changed with the team. Um, the Lakers are 3-6 and six in that time span since the Austin Reeves game winner. They went on a five-game losing streak right after that. That was in large part due to Anthony Davis going down with an MCL injury. Thankfully, it wasn't a tear, but AD going down has led the Lakers to get more experimental with their lineups. And what that's turned into is a complete embrace of small ball. We're seeing LeBron starting at center, and we're seeing some pretty good developments in that despite the five-game losing streak. We're going to get more into that today, and we're going to talk about last night's win over the Timberwolves, as well as us trading Rajon Rondo for essentially an open roster spot. We'll get into things like the surprisingly great contributions of Stanley Johnson, but today I got a new guest with me. This is Jonathan Kiernan. I've known Jonathan for a little bit. Um, We're in a group chat with Lakers fans in the UK. I'm not in the UK, but they're nice enough to put up with me in there. Um, Jonathan's a managing editor with Lakers UK. He also writes at Lake Show Life, Sir Charles in Charge, and is the lead writer for NBA Collips. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining me today, man. Thank you very much for having me. And I'll just just, just uh, say it probably... UK, I'm in Ireland, so I'm, we've known part of that UK group. I like obviously there's so many great uh, fans in the UK of the Lakers, but I'm an, I'm an Irishman. Uh, Jonathan, Jonathan's got to separate himself. They also put up with him in there too. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. They and he they and he also puts up with them. <laughs> you definitely put up with them too because they like to rib you for being Irish. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I'll say funny. no more. <laughs> it's funny seeing that dynamic, man. But um. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, there's there's a lot for us to talk about. You saw that Wolves game. We could start there. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, I I think I was speaking to you before the game. Like if if Cap was going to play, I think it was going to be a really bad night for the Lakers. But obviously that didn't happen. Delo didn't play either. And yeah, the Lakers showed up in a in a big bad way. The new lineup, kind of playing small, seems to be really really working for the Lakers. It seems to be ha- like really ha- getting hammered home that it's working. Obviously, um, LeBron at the center position is something that's fairly new to the Lakers, and I don't think it's something they'll probably introduce in, in the playoffs. It's probably going to grind him down a lot. They're probably going to probably mess around with the playoffs, but I can see them obviously going 80 at the five. But yeah, some good efforts from the likes of Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk played well. Yeah. Russ played okay. I'm not going to kind of praise him too much, but I, like his I thought he played was, pretty bad, honestly. He yeah, has seven his, turnovers his, in the first half. Yeah, that's pretty disgraceful. Like, I, yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm really not happy with his uh, explanations either. Kind of like saying, like, I'm a superstar and super, I get like superstar calls and all that kind of crap. But yeah, he, he did fine. Avery Bradley played some good defense. Sonny Johnson played some good defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, THC wasn't didn't have his strongest game, but he wasn't too bad either. I think he was definitely kind of a plus player. For the Lakers in the game, but yeah, it's a good overall performance from the Lakers. The new lineup seems to be really kind of clicking, and that's great. It's great to see. It's great to see that Frank is is willing to kind of mess around with lineups and not kind of be married to one particular lineup. Mess around and see what works out best for the Lakers and what works out best for that squad. But what do you think of the performance last night? Well, look, I'm looking at the stats here. So we're looking at the box score, and I was surprised to see Russell Westbrook was only minus two. Um, what was surprising else was. I, I kind of like looking at plus minus. I, lo- I know some people don't put too much stock in it, but I think it tells you something. Trevor Reza was minus 10, bro. He's looking, uh, Trevor's back, and it's good to have a good wing in there on the perimeter to stretch his wingspan out and everything. But he's not looking totally um, game-changing right now. And I think that might take some time. Um, so Trevor, he was minus 10 of the night. You know, he's going to need a little bit more time to warm up. Westbrook, man. This was just one of those classic frustrating Westbrook games. He finishes the night with nine turnovers, but he had seven in the first half, and he was really just shooting us in the foot. Um, in the second half, you know, not as many turnovers, but I thought this is one of those games where I think Frank Frank Vogel is back. He was out with COVID protocols, um, and so David Fisdale had been coaching, but Frank is making the calls again. And Westbrook, I'm like, he, sh- he really shouldn't play Westbrook that much. Westbrook is really killing us right now. You know, these turnovers – He's not making a lot of shots right now. This is kind of one of those games where I thought, hey, let's ha- let's let him sit on the bench for a little bit. Um, he ended up coming back in, but we ended up getting the win. That's just something I got my eye on with Westbrook. You know, I don't know if even our best lineups, you know, we, we won a championship with LeBron and AD and guys that can defend and shoot. 
that still might be our best lineup combination in a crunch time of a must-win playoff game. But because of the way this team is composed and because of who Westbrook is, he's going to be on the floor every time during crunch time. So that's something I have my eye on with this team. I don't think we're a contender yet, and I'm kind of surprised that, you know, there's a really big consensus among Laker fans how we still have ways to go to be a contender. We just haven't shown the consistency. We haven't put up the big winning streaks. We haven't had that many blowout wins. Um, this was an underhanded Wolves team, but we got actually smashed by Nas Reed here. And we know why. That's because we went so small. Um, yeah, what do you think about the way the T-Wolves performed? They're a good unit. They know how to, like, I'm a big proponent of, like, like well, this is something the Lakers definitely don't take into account. I'm a huge proponent of having a bunch of guys playing with each other for a couple of years, kind of build that familiarity, build that kind of camaraderie within the team, the team chemistry. And it's, like, there's a lot of players, obviously there's some new players with the Timberwolves, like Patrick Beverly's pretty new, the likes of Anthony Edwards, Nas Reed, Malik Beasley, um, and a few other guys, they've all been there a couple of years. They know how to play together. It's the same with the, kind of the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns introduced kind of Chris Paul into the mix, but again, they had a bunch of guys that have been there for years and years and know how to play together. And basically, all Chris Paul was going to do is accentuate how well they're, that they are playing. But yeah, Nas Reed, I think he when he before he came into the league, he was a kind of a well thought of prospect. But again, it was it was during a time where kind of big men were getting very much undervalued. Like, I think I think ever since kind of Jalil Okafor in 2017, I think the kind of the big, cumbersome um, big men are being very much undervalued unless they're like a Jokic type of player who can do everything. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Nasri, he's just a big, strong dude. He's going to back you down in the post. He's going to smash you to bits if he can. And he's going to grab some boards. Like, he does what he does. He's not going to set the world on fire like he's not really going to be much of a three like he's okay three-point shooter he's not spectacular but he's, he's gonna, just going to kick your ass down the low post and if LeBron James who obviously is a beast himself he's probably going to eat because he's about 6'10 I think but maybe 6'10 6'11 he's going to back him down and kind of do what he wants there like he it's, was it's getting not, back down did you see those couple of possessions where Nas just you know he basically bullied LeBron I think more so LeBron realized well I think He's going to start realizing the second he starts playing teams like maybe Bam in the Miami Heat, maybe Jokic in the Nuggets. He's going to realize that this is going to be a short-term, this is going to be a short-lived kind of tenure, maybe down the low post or in at the center. Like there's a reason why AD does not want to play the five. Like he's he's he, he keeps saying like, oh, if they want me to play the five, I'll play the five. But then he kind of when they signed DJ and they brought back to White, he was also went turned around to Blink and said, thank. Thank you so much for bringing these guys in. I don't really want to play the five. Mm-hmm. And like LeBron, LeBron's going to realize that if he keeps coming up against kind of guys like Nas really or against Jokic or against like I'm trying to think even Joel Embiid. Like if he even if Cat came back in and was playing there, I think LeBron would have to like rebring his lunch because they're going to try and back him down as much as they can because they do outweigh him by about 20 pounds. And that's mm-hmm. that's he's not used to that. He's used to being the bigger guy because he's marking small forwards. Or power forwards and they just get kind of they're about the same they're about the same weight as him but he's probably like a bit stronger in terms of like just physicality but yeah against centers he's going to get his ass handed to him nine times out of ten if they're bigger than him so yeah i think they they did pretty good all, all, all in all i think you're you're kind of spot on like um obviously anthony edwards is a good player patrick beverly is a good defender but they have a good bunch of good players but we should have created more distance between us and them. Like they're missing their two best players. Well, arguably the two best players. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, we should have kind of really ran away with that. But no, the Lakers way, just leave it kind of to the last minute, just kind of squeak buying. And uh, it seems to be a common theme that is happening with the Lakers this season. It makes it, it does be exciting, but it's just kind of, it's also, you once every so often you just love a kind of a blowout win where we're just like we don't have to worry about this they're missing their best players we just kick their asses and kind of move on to the next game but that definitely wasn't last night that's just who this team is man they they have not given us a lot of blowout wins this year that that one against houston that we got a win against houston before this and that was one of our first like real blowouts i think they they're oh no it was portland so we played portland before this and that was a really solid blowout probably one of our best played games of the year 
But even as there's been so many instances of the other team missing their best player and then us having enough to, you know, get a handy win over someone. And it just doesn't happen with this team. So I haven't really come to expect that anymore. I want to uh, circle back to you don't think they're going to keep rolling with Braun at center. I'm actually thinking it's going to be AD at center and LeBron at center with the way that they've been doing these lineups. Um, I think what one aspect that Braun likes of being at center is that he doesn't have to chase people around the perimeter as much. You know, he likes to walk up the court and that's to save himself some energy. Brian Windhorst had a comment about that a while ago that near the end of Braun's Cavs tenure, his second tenure, he would save energy by walking up the court, you know, having someone else bring it up and he, you know, gingerly walk up. So I think the less exertion he could do at those little, you know, at little moments like that, I think that's better. Um, I think, yeah, I think he likes that aspect of not having to move around the perimeter as much. I could see us rolling with AD at the five and Braun at the five full time. Although this was one of those games that I was so frustrated and all Lakers Twitter was frustrated too. Where the hell is Dwight when Nas Reed is just killing us on the boards? The whole Timberwolves were killing us on the boards and just in the paint too. Now, what I thought was the real difference maker was the Lakers just turned up the intensity in the fourth quarter, man. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, I think it all started with LeBron's defense. He got really active defensively. He was flying around. That filtered down to guys like THT. I saw THT jumping lanes and stuff. The team really just activated themselves defensively. And whoever got tickets for that game, they definitely got their money's worth, I, saw, I think, for that fourth quarter. No, definitely. I completely agree with you. The thing that's, that's probably the most frustrating thing about the Lakers this season is when they turn it on defensively, they're a really good team. Like, they're really kind of locked in. Not even, I wouldn't lock down, maybe a bit strong, but they're like a really solid defensive team. They have the players that are capable of doing it. THT, very solid defender for his age. LeBron, good defender. I, don't, I know this is kind of blasphemy, but Carmelo's not a bad defender. Like, he's got really solid length he obviously it's more so effort about him and same with Russ Russ if I like I when the Lakers made the trade for Russ I did like a deep dive on Russ and when he switches on as a defender he is legitimately a really good defender but it's few and far between he just overexerts himself on one side of the ball and doesn't really kind of focus like his concentration is I hope I can curse on the podcast. It's dog shit. Like his concentration mm-hmm. on defense. You can curse on the podcast. We curse all the time. It's here. so bad. <laughs> it is so bad. Like, I, it's it's borderline criminal. Like he takes his eye off the like his his own man and just is ball watching so often. Like for a superstar player, like like an a former MVP candidate, that shouldn't be acceptable. That shouldn't be acceptable for like a rotational player, let alone a guy that's meant to be a superstar. But yeah, the Lakers have some really kind of good defensive pieces I still think something that's going to bite them in the ass especially the longer the season goes on is that the roster is getting is pretty old but I think like I think we're probably going to talk about this soon enough the introduction of Stanley Johnson into kind of the Lakers roster is mm-hmm. going to be really really beneficial because younger guys are going to kind of kind of more legs underneath them for the either the entirety of the season or even for the playoffs they're going to be hungry with kind of older guys like Trevor Reese and Kent Bazemore, they've they've been there, they've been there, they've done that, they've kind of got the t-shirt, and they just it doesn't they have not the same hunger as a young guy like Stanley Johnson who wants to be in the league. So yeah, I think that this the Lakers team has some interesting defensive pieces and they can they can lock up teams if they really want to do it. But I still think they're one piece away, and I think they're more than likely going to make the trade to get done as well. Mm-hmm. we're talking talking about defense and i think i want to give a shout out to malik monk i think he's improved as a defender since he's gotten here do you yeah i definitely think he's improved as, as a defender I, I think with malik i think I, I was saying this to you before i think he is one of the few guys who genuinely took a pay cut to come to the lakers mm-hmm. i think he took the he, biggest pay cut for sure because he could have gotten if someone believed in him they could have given him i'd say like 10 mil a year yeah. or something like that. Oh, he's, um, for, he, I'd say, I'd say five or seven for this season. If like easily, very easily. And if, if a team needed kind of uh solid scoring 10, absolutely. But he's going to make that back in spades this coming off season. If he keeps this, this level of play up, I think he knows that as well. I think he's, he seems like a young player who's kind of malleable to actually working hard. He wants to be better. There's a lot of guys that come into NBA 
and they kind of they've been told they're amazing since they were kids and they kind of rest in their laurels and just like I'm an MEA player I'm getting the paycheck I'm gonna like my talent is gonna carry me a long way Malik Monk for his size like he's 6'1 6'2 he's real small but he's, yeah. he used to play in shooting guard, you know. He's, yeah, for shooting guard, he's a, he's a he's a really small shooting guard. But, like, his vertical makes up for it. His effort makes up for it. His ability to kind of want to get better. Like, I'd say he's one of these guys who's just connected to the hip of Phil Handy and just wants to get better each and every day. He wants to go to the film room and kind of study up and wants to get better. But, yeah, mm-hmm. absolute huge shout out to Malik Monk. He's been probably the main bright spot in this Lakers roster, not named kind of LeBron James or... Carmelo Anthony, yeah. Our yeah. AD, I suppose AD has been kind of up and down, but yeah, he's been their bright spot. And they, like, I said, I always find it really funny. Like, people are saying, are we sure the big three is an AD, LeBron, and Malik Monk? Like, he's been playing that well, especially the last five five games. Like, he deserves kind of the to get, kind, of, kind of get his flowers. If that was the big three in terms of scoring, I'd really like that. You know, if the the less scoring onus we have to put on Westbrook and the more he can focus on, you know, tightening up his facilitation game. I think that's better. I love it when Westbrook has a game that's like, you know, he'll get his triple double no matter what, if he's having a good game, but I love seeing him have the games that are like, you know, 11 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists of like two or three turnovers or maybe less. Those are my favorite Westbrook games, man. Cause the games where Westbrook is really shooting a lot, we're usually in trouble, but, um, yeah, so if it was if it was AD LeBron and Monk that were carrying the scoring load, that would be freaking amazing. I hope that he keeps it up for the rest of this um, for the rest of his Lakers tenure. But looking at some advanced numbers here from Alex Regla, who is a writer with Lakers SBN, lines with Monk and LeBron on the floor, plus four net rating, one twenty one point eight offensive rating. That's crazy. Fifty seven percent effective field goal percentage, one twelve point four defensive rating. Um, now I'm not as well versed in advanced numbers, but the lower the defensive rating, that's is that better? Yeah. Yep. So the lower the defense rating, the better. So that's not an amazing defensive rating. It doesn't strike me as like really good. But Lions with Monk and LeBron, you know, with no big on the floor, um, you know, plus 17.8 net rating, 126.3 offensive rating, 60% effective field goal percentage, and the defensive rating gets even lower, 108.5. Since 108.8 would probably be in the top seven to top five in the league so that's really good at rating oh fuck yeah okay so we you know we keep seeing this good data come through but just since the ad injury we have this tweet from pickup who here he's averaging 20 points a game i mean that's the eye that passes the eye test he's been absolutely balling shooting you know 57 percent from the four 42 percent from three he hasn't missed a free throw he's plus 66 yeah this man's gonna get a lot of money this offseason dude yeah and he's doing this with russ tossing up crap shots and just <laughs> hogging the ball like i i have i have a theory about russ i'm pretty sure that they know that this isn't working with russ they know pretty damn well that russ is what he is they thought okay put him on a team with lebron and ad two guys he really respects who are kind of his el- not his elders well lebron is and it kind of he'll be like okay LeBron's been to the mountaintop. He's got four championships. I'm just going to listen to what he has to say and kind of play uh, the brand of basketball that he thinks is going to win. But Russ just came to the Lakers like, yeah, I'm going to do me. I'm My money's guaranteed. You can't tell me nothing kind of attitude. Like he's, don't be wrong, sometimes, some games you need that. You need you need like a kind of a guy to just motherfucker team and just get him, get him to the, to get him to the end line. But I have a feeling that the Lakers are going to allow Russ to find his way because I'm pretty sure they're going to want to move on from either this coming trade deadline or from the start of next season. My guess is it's probably going to be the start of next season. It's going to be for like small pieces. I heard that they got an offer from the Knicks and they meant to have sucked. It's meant to be like Fournier and Burke and like one of Kemba or... D Rose. Oh, come on. I, I don't want no like little role players like that. And uh yeah, and, and Kemba who can you know barely stay on the court. Yeah, I'm good on that. That's that, that no picks, nothing. They just said, Yeah, we want, but above all else, what the Knicks were trying to do there is they wanted to get rid of a bunch of guys who are on three or four year deals. So they can get Russ for one year. If it doesn't work out next season, then they can just move off from and they've freed up 47 million cap space. 
that mm-hmm. makes no sense for the Lakers to take on that amount of money. But again, that's a great thing for the Lakers is if Russ doesn't work out next season, we shed 47 million in cap space. Obviously, we'll still probably be, I'll be surprised if we're still over the cap, but we're, we're a lot closer. We can actually make some moves and kind of, yeah, it's not an ideal situation. I like Russ. I like him as a player. I like his intensity on the offensive end. If you can just like, Bring it on the defensive end. That's yeah. the thing. That's the thing with the rust and intensity conversation. He brings the intensity. He yells after a dunk. But if he's not going to bring the intensity on the defensive end, if he's going to lose his man when he's off ball, if he's only going to defend really hard when he's on ball, you can't give him that full label of he's a guy that is the most intense guy on the team. Because shit, Stanley Johnson's our most intense guy on the team. Honestly, no, he's bringing it on every end. Rust yeah. doesn't always box people out. Stanley's always trying to box people out and bully dudes um stanley's kind of been uh stanley's been a revelation for us man he's he's bringing in a level of energy that we did not see in the beginning of the year with this team the kind of energy that guys like caruso and kcp and kuz used to bring um and he's a wing we've been dying for a wing that can just you know we can just throw at somebody he won't you know maybe he won't shut him down sometimes he gets blown by but at least he'll make him work you gotta wear people out over the course of the game because there's four quarters you got to, you know, learn the habits of the other guy over the course of the game and whatnot, you know, basic, basic basketball shit. I just love Stanley's intensity. And he went to my college, University of Arizona. He was there, I think, the year after I graduated. Um, you know, he was never, I think, I don't think he averaged like over 20 points a game back in college, but he was, he was the team leader. He was the most talented prospect. Drafted in the top 10, hasn't really panned out for himself so far. Um, but I think he could be really fucking good here, man. Let's talk about him a little bit more. So what have been your Stanley Johnson impressions? I've loved him so far. Like I, you know, the hardship exception that's been created due to COVID has, has definitely, like obviously we've missed a bunch of guys over the course of the season, like who've went out, like Austin Reeves, a bunch of guys who just, they've been robbed of like maybe two weeks of them. But this is something that has been really beneficial for Stanley Johnson to come in and really kind of, I'm not saying make a name for himself, like he he wasn't like he's a recognizable name within the league for people that know like know basketball. But it really showed that how like his hunger comes across more than anything from game to game. His hunger just to kind of he realized that he he was basically kind of out of the game. He wasn't out of the game, but he was kind of on the periphery, kind of on the outside looking in, and he really needed an, an opportunity to get with a team who's going to believe in him, who's going to give him a chance and who's going to kind of maximize what he does best. Like he's never going to be the best shooter. He's kind of, he's not an amazing assist guy. He's not going to be the best rebounder, but he's going to give you effort. Like we, that's, that's one thing. Like I think Lakers nation appreciates more than anything. Like AC was never the best player on the Lakers team, but we loved him because he worked his ass off. He never did it. He, he never not gave effort, you know? Yeah. That might not be the greatest grammar, but he was giving effort every possession, both ends of the Yeah. He busts his ass. And that's all, like, we, we, have the, we have the LeBron Jameses. We have the ADs. We've had the Kobe Bryants. We've had the Magic Johnsons and the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's and the Shaqs. We've had the guys who have been uber, uber talented. And they've worked their asses off. That's the main, that's the main thing, reason why they, obviously, they won championships there. But the, above all else, they worked their asses off. They didn't rest in their laurels. They wanted to get better each and every game. And obviously, I'm not comparing Stanley Johnson to any of these guys. But it's something that this Lakers nation as a whole respects. We respect effort. Guys who just want to kind of want to be there, who want to kind of show up in a game-to-game basis, who want to get better, who want to work hard. And that's all we can ask from Stanley Johnson. Like again, like you mentioned, we needed a wing guy that wanted to play defense. We have... LeBron, who picks and chooses when he wants to play defense. THT is a bit undersized to kind of cover. But obviously, he's got a large wingspan, but he's still going to have guys shoot over the top from pretty often. Trevor Reza, again, a bit shot. Kent Bazemore, a bit shot. We have, we have guys. We have legit guys in the team, but we need young blood to kind of keep the team ticking over, to kind of, like, you will feed off his energy. We fed, we fed off AC's energy in different games over the past couple of years. LeBron did, AD did, everyone did. They just thought, this guy's busting his ass. I'm going to bust my ass too, or otherwise I'm going to look like an asshole. 
Mm-hmm. So that's what Stanley Johnson brings to the team. It's like, don't I don't want to look like an asshole and not play defense if this guy is playing defense. And it really is as simple as that. Like he's not going to be the best player on, on the team. He's not going to set the world alight. He's just going to be a really, really solid rotational player who's going to get the job done in the way he knows how. He knows he's not going to like be score 30 a night. He knows he's not going to grab 20 rebounds. He knows he's not going to get 10 assists or five rebounds or blocks. He knows all this. But all he can do is to say, right, I'm going to do what they pay me to do. I'm going to get in this guy's face. I'm going to make his job as uncomfortable as possible. I'm going to box out as much as I possibly can and get a crap a rebound. I'm going to put a hand in this guy's face. I'm going to try and strip up the ball off him. I'm going to try and run in, in transition and give the likes of LeBron and Russ a guy to kind of hit and stride for maybe an easy dunk or even to pass it off for them to get an easy dunk. It's just effort things that he can do. And that's all he needs to do. Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> I can't disagree <laughs> with anything you said right there, man. You did mention THT, though, and uh, it's interesting. Right now, he's in a little bit of a slump. I'll pull up his stats for the year right now. Um, it's 10 points a game. Talon's going yeah. through some growing pains right now, and I think it's just a reminder that he is 21 years old, birth date, November 25th, 2000. Oh, this is this is right when George Bush was elected. So this is, he's a young guy, man. Um, it's a young boy. He's a young boy. It's just a reminder that you got to be patient with him. Although here's the situation we're in. Can we be depending on this guy if we want to make a serious playoff run? If we got maybe, how many more elite years of LeBron left do you think we have? I think we have this year and next. I agree. I'd say if he makes, if he makes the move to center, I'd say three. I'd say yeah. his, his, his elite years are small forward and power forward or two. I'd say if he chose to kind of play small ball center in like certain lineups, I'd say three. I'd say three elite. Two, okay, two elite years at small forward and power forward, three at center. But if he wants to stay at kind of small forward, power forward, I'd say two elite years and one kind of borderline all-star year. This is kind of far in the future, but I think he probably, knowing LeBron, I think he probably plays out his contract and leaves. Like, I think he wants to play with his son. I think he's going to find out a way to make that happen or maybe go back to Cleveland. Going down the line, what do you think of that? Do you see him sticking with the Lakers forever? Or I I think Ronnie's a good talent. I don't think he's going to be a top 10 guy. Mm. I don't think he's going to be like a top yeah, 10 Yeah, I know nothing guy. about his game. What do you know? Uh, he's got his gaze, get his getting bouncy as hell like mm. he's he's got he's definitely got his dad's athleticism he's got good court vision he's better shooting than his dad already like as like, oh, really? like a really consistent kind of jump shot like but uh yeah he's probably uh, he reminds me a lot of i'm trying to think of he's bit he's not a huge guy either he's like six four so I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying to, I, I don't think I can come up with like a really kind of. Six, solid. four, huh? So he's not in that six, seven, you know, six, eight and above. Yeah. To be fair, I think he's only like 14, 15. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's like early in high school. He's probably yeah. like, you know, he's like 16 or something, you know? Yeah. He's still a young guy. He's got a lot of growing to do. And if his dad is like six, eight, six, nine, I'd, I'd say he's going to be six, seven easily. And like he hasn't, he's only starting, starting to get athletic. That's like going to be an exciting time when Bronny gets to the league. You know, yeah. I, I think it's pretty safe to assume he'll get in the league. Just give him oh, off, off of name, off, and off, Yeah, off of borderline name value and just saying like his dad was elite, then yeah, he's definitely going to get in the league. But um, just in regard like to THT, yeah. um, it's been up and down. It's Again, I think it's very unfair that we kind of put so much pressure on his shoulders. He is, like you said, he's 21 years old. We can't expect like the world from a young, young guy who's still like, he's finding his way, not in, just in basketball, but in, in life. Like he's, like he's. Think about he, yourselves at 21. If you're yeah. like, I, I'm, I'm 30 next month. And are you, how old are you, Jonathan? 31. 32. 31. Think of yourself at 21. Like we I didn't know. Dumbass. We didn't know shit. We were doing dumb shit on the regular, man. Yeah. That's what what happens to 21-year-olds. And this guy's a millionaire. Yeah. He's a legit millionaire earning $10 million a year. 21 years old, living in L.A. Everyone knows your name because you're a Laker. 
and he's, he's doing the right things. But again, he's 21 years old. Like, you're not meant to be, unless you're elite of the elite, you're not meant to be good at 21 years old. You're meant to be, this is your learning phase. This is where you build. This is where you kind of gain knowledge, listen to the kind of your coaches, your veteran players and get better. And he's, that's what he's doing. But he's, he's also got so much competition at the roles he wanted to play. Like I, I liken it to a certain extent to Kuz. Obviously, Kuz was an older player coming into the league. But Kuz came to the Lakers initially uh, and was, was good. Had a really good rookie season. But then AD came in. And AD played the same position as him. And then, then you go, okay, let's move uh, Kuz to, to small forward. Then you got LeBron James there. So you have two guys who automatically, like they're nailed on starters. You're not going to get started in minutes, so you're not going to really improve. With THT, like obviously LeBron's there at the small forward and power forward position. Obviously THT doesn't play power forward. But LeBron James can play like basically all the minutes at small forward if he wants. Then the Lakers have basically said, okay, like how many, how many shooting guards do you want? And then the Lakers just went, yes. <laughs> they did, give me all of the shooting guards like Wayne Ellington yes. Ken, yes Kent Bazemore um, Malik Monk Kendrick Nunn can play there Russ if he if at push can play there so he's he's just fighting for minutes that he at this probably this stage of his career he just needs and he's not going to get them because right now Malik is balling um, yeah I don't Wayne Ellington is more of a fit in terms of spacing out the floor I think THT, unfortunately, is going to end up the way of Kuz. He's going to get moved for somebody for a win-now piece. And I think it's going to be Miles Turner, personally. I think the Lakers really want to avoid kind of having... They want, they want a four-spacer at the five. They want a shot blocker. They want a, a rebounder. And they want just a guy that can stretch the floor. They want to keep Miles. AD happy, too. So they, oh, yeah. they, might be, they might be looking at a five. They want to protect their investment long-term. That's the main thing that they give a shit about. They want to protect their investment. And if AD continues to play minutes at the five for the next couple of years, by the time he gets to maybe year two or year three of his new deal, his body's going to break down. He's not going to be the same guy. I think they, they want to protect their investment. I think Talon is going to be a kind of a casualty of that. Like Again, another, another player I could see them go is for like Christian Wood. Like Taylor Horton Tucker and maybe Kendrick Nunn or no, actually, I think you could do Taylor Horton Tucker and like DJ get rid of his ass and uh, that and that and like a first and that fits in terms of like salary cap. So you could get that. I'd do that all day and every day and twice on Sunday. I just don't think any team's going to want DJ. I with getting rid of DJ is priority number one. That's what the first is for. <laughs> and for the nation, yeah. <laughs> God damn it, we gotta give up a first so we can so we can get rid of DJ who we signed on on our own will, on our own volition. Yeah. God, bro. I DJ fair, is just it like it made sense at the time. It made sense at the time, but like now looking at it, it's like, what have we done? What to me, it didn't make sense because he's been playing bad for years, and every fan base that has had him has been like, get this man off the floor. You know, he he used to trend on Twitter like Rondo would trend during the regular season. Like you would just see. You, you used to see Get Rondo trending, and I thought that was hilarious back in the day. But you would see things like DeAndre or, like, Get DeAndre. Fuck, man. We got to get rid of him ASAP. But going back to Talon, I'm glad you brought up Kuz. I sent out a tweet yesterday saying that he his situation reminds me of Kuz's before Kuz got good at doing the little things, basically. You have a lot of people who play your position. You're a young guy. You show some offensive potential. But – you're just you're in a slump right now. You need to figure out other ways to contribute to the game. I thought he had some good defensive moments yesterday, but the thing with Talon is it's kind of like a hangover. The only thing that's going to make it better is time. You know, you can't really Run rush it. Beer. Yeah, <laughs> Talon Talon hangover Tucker is basically what he is. Yes. Um, he's going to need time. He's going to need reps, and he's going to need patience. And that just doesn't fit with our timeline. So I'm also in the camp, and I'm surprised I'm in this camp, but. We need to we need to flip him for someone more useful, man. You you prefer Miles Turner over Jeremy Grant? I think Grant as a overall... sorry to cut you off with Stanley here. That kind of changes things. I mean, Stanley brings yeah. some of the intensity in defense. I think Jeremy Grant is a better overall fit 
for what the Lakers might potentially want to do, but I don't, he's not, isn't having a great season. He's having a pretty decent season. Like he's averaging, I think 20 points a game, but he doesn't look the same level defender. Obviously he's injured now, but this, mm-hmm. when he was playing, he didn't look the same level defender as he was previously. For me, Miles Turner makes less. It's under contract for two years. Is a shot blocker who can keep AD out of the paint, who can shoot a three ball at a pretty decent rate, who is someone the Lakers can keep to AD going for like long term if they really wanted to. Uh, Christian Wood is another guy. Again, I'm not his biggest fan. I think he's he's coming across as a bit of an asshole. At the moment, he kind of overlaps with AD a little bit too, doesn't he? Like he's yeah, kind of very similar, similar enough in terms of what they do. But yeah, I I think for for DJ, I would just go back for like really quickly with DJ. I think what they tried to do is they saw what worked with them last time. We had two athletic big men. We had Javale and we had Dwight, and let's go back to that. Oh wait, Javale's gone to the Suns for five million dollars. We're not going to pay his ass that. Let him go. Let's just get another athletic big man who can do basically the exact same as JaVale. And they're like, okay, let's get DJ. He's cheap. That'll do fine. Not realizing that basically DJ can You get like a quarter of JaVale's effort with DJ's thing. And DJ can barely jump over a phone book at this stage. So like he can't grab a rebound either, dude. That's like one of my most frustrating things. If he does manage to jump over a phone book, he's got the butterfingers. You know, he just always lets go of the ball. Like it's the one thing that I, 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 it's like me throwing stones at glass house. Like I, I'm not athletic at all. Like I can, I'm a five foot eleven white guy. Like I'm not going to be winning any kind of dunk contests. But I think the one of the things that has been plaguing DJ's career, his entire career, is questionable basketball IQ. And I think when his athleticism finally left him, he was left with. Not much, not not much between the years in terms of high basketball IQ. Like he's not going to make elite reads. He's not going to look at a defense and saying this guy's shifting over. I'm going to kind of move up, like push up a little bit, push them out towards kind of the the, the corner. Like he's not going to think about these different things. He's just going to be like, here's the basketball. What he is going to do is he's going to yell ice, and that's about it. Yeah. Ice, yeah. ice, ice, and then he, he's going to yell ice. He's going to jump too short. And then he's going to let go of the rebound. So if you'd my, like my, to take DJ in a trade, please. Yeah. <laughs> you are getting my, my favorite thing about that. Like, I'm glad you brought that up. Like someone goes, ice, ice, ice. And it's like, I remember someone Twitter comments gone. Is he, does he mean like isolate, like isolation or ice for his knees? Like he's that, like his, yeah. he's that <laughs> does he need Phil handy to run yeah. out there with ice? Like, ice, ice, ice. That They might be onto something there. Yeah. Man, I, I would love to get rid of DJ ASAP, but I just feel like, he he's stuck to our team. Like he is, he is. I'm I'm not I'm expecting him to be on the roster at the end of the year. I think he's going to be too hard to move. Um, I think I actually think he could be moved, but I think you need to find a team who's equally as fed up with another player, and then I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> like I'm trying to think now who like no no one comes to mind. I honest to God, think. the first thing that came to mind was Christian Wood, just because of that this recent yeah. blow up that the Rockets had. Yeah, like if you offer a THD. For Christian and THT, maybe like if you really like want to go all out, THC, Kendrick Nunn first and DJ, you get Christian Wood. No, no problem. They do that deal tomorrow. But we I also think, know that the Pacers want sorry to cut you off again. We also know yeah. that the Pacers are trying to blow it up. Didn't they publicly say that everyone is up for grabs? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. The only person that isn't up for grabs is oh, I, I thought this is hilarious. Brogdon, no, Chris Duarte. Is the only player that is not available in trade scenarios. Like is Duarte a second-year guy? No, he's a rookie. Oh. He's a 26-year-old rookie or 25-year-old rookie. Oh, shit. Oh. Okay. But uh, don't, the reason why they can't trade Brockton is Brockton uh, is untradeable until next season for some reason. As in physically, no, no trade clause? Or? I don't even think it's that. I think he signed a certain deal where he physically can't be traded until after the deadline. So... Like mm-hmm. he's untradeable until next season, but I would love Malcolm Brogdon on the Lakers. He's like a I've been wanting Brogdon for a little while. He's a beast. Mm-hmm. Dude's a beast. Like he he's not the flashy guy, but 
play both guard positions, can shoot the three ball, can assist at least Yeah, and he's a great defender. Like that's the thing the Lakers need to get back to is defense. If you can get a, if you're a good defensive team, it's like offense wins you games, defense wins you championships. It's always been said and it's true. Mm-hmm. Like the the Warriors were beasts, like shooting three ball, three ball, but they were also amazing defensively. Like they had a bunch of guys who can really defend. I think that's being lost in the Lakers this season. Is that we've we we've put too much effort and time into getting offensive guys because we were so pissed off that we didn't have a third score. But now we have technically have like one through three or four or five scores, like a bunch of guys who are capable, like of scoring at will. But we don't have any guys apart from AD who's out, maybe THT occasionally and Malik occasionally and LeBron occasionally. But none of them can play consistent defense on a game-to-game basis. You lost that. You lost that when you got rid of AC. You lost that when you got rid of Lonzo or KCP. You lost a bunch of kind of defensive pieces who, while they weren't world beaters, they were guys who are tone setters. Mm -hmm. That's like we Stanley Johnson, and it sounds really sad to say, is a tone setter for the Lakers. And that should never be the case. You're a rotational guy who's on a 10-day contract should not be a guy that's setting the tone for the rest of the team. It should come from, like, the guy, like even Russ. Like, Russ is elite. We thought like Russ he, was going to be a big tone setter. For, I mean, that was, the, that was part of the sell of Russ. His quote-unquote intensity is going to be a tone setter for us, especially in something like the regular season. But then now they're watching him not trying on, on defense. and like, why would we? If one of our main superstars is going, not going to play defense, why the hell should we? Mm-hmm. Well, like you need, yeah, you look to your best players in time, like the times of crisis, and if they're kind of their heads are dropping, your head is dropping. If they're not like shooting the ball, you're not going to shoot the ball. If they're playing bad defense, you're not really going to kind of be like, oh, I'm not going to play defense for this guy. If he's not going to play defense for me, like, and he's getting paid way more than me, why the hell will I play defense? Like, you need a bunch of guys like AD showing up every possession, kind of boxing out, throwing elbows, just. Get greasy with it. Get dirty like that. I want the Lakers to be like, like the, the fucking Pistons, like the bad boy Pistons. Throw elbows, do everything. Just give a fuck. That's all I want. That's all yeah. we want as Lakers fans. Give a fuck, and we will we'll love you for it. That's all. Yeah, I know. There's there's been some games, and even going back to last year, where they just you know put up a shit effort, and then it's like, all right, now I know I know everyone's hurt, everyone's in COVID, whatever. But if you give a shit tonight, I'll be happy. Lo and behold, most of the times they didn't end up giving a shit. Um, but this is all a really interesting, interesting conversation about, you know, like Miles Turner. When you brought him up, the one thing I had in mind was how well do you how well do you know his game? Would you consider him a smart defender, like someone we could trust in a playoff series? Absolutely. I think because um, we need low mistake guys, dude, because Westbrook, for all the, the great things he could bring during the regular season, he will he's looking like he's going to be an obstacle in the playoffs for, for us because um, of everything that he, you know, he brings a lot. He takes a lot off the table as well. But um, what, what were you going to say? I think Miles Turner negates some of Russ's bad tendencies as in what Lakers truly need. Like what, what any Russell Westbrook team has always needed is to surround the guy with shooters. That's all you need to make Russell effective. You need, the, at the very least, the threat of him passing it out to the wing and that guy shooting the ball and making a shot. You need the threat of it. If you have a center who, like the likes of Dwight or uh, DeAndre, who are never, ever going to be like, well, maybe Dwight. Like, a guy can hit a three ball every so often. I like but Dwight's three ball, man. Let, oh, let me talk about this. I think he should take, like, two a game. Yeah, his, it his looks three good. ball looks so sweet. Like he takes them, like he does maybe 10, 15, 20 of them before the start of a game and they like they mm-hmm. swishes them all. But that's what they need. They need the at the very least the illusion that he's gonna pass it out to the to the like he knows if he's gonna pass off to DJ, the lane's gonna be clogged. DJ's not gonna get the ball, Dwight's not gonna get the ball, he's gonna turn over, which he repeatedly does. But with likes of Miles Turner, Miles Turner is basically I'm trying to think of like a really apt comparison. The best comparison I can give right now is he's a better, he's like, he's like Kevin Love now, but a better defender. As in, he can still shoot the three ball. He's not an elite rebounder. He's not an elite lead rebounder. He's a good rebounder, 
he's a decent passer out of the post, but he can still shoot the three ball at a pretty effective rate. And that's what the Lakers needed. Like that's if the Lakers could have got Kevin Love this offseason if he'd been bought out, then that would have been amazing. That would have been the perfect kind of player. But Miles Turner, he Turner brings a little bit of verticality too, right? You said oh, significantly. He's significantly yeah. better verticality. Um, stay obviously stays healthy, which is something Kevin Love can't do. Hmm. He, he, but he brings elite traits. He's an elite shot blocker. Like he's probably at this moment in time either the first, second, or third best shot blocker in the NBA each year consistently. But the reason why he hasn't been used well in um, in with the Pacers in, in Indiana is Sabonis and him kind of play. Savonis is a very ball-dominant player for his position, and they kind of... Turner kind of feels the brunt of that because Savonis is a very high-usage guy and wants the ball in his hands all the time, and Turner basically feels like, wait, I'm a star too. Why the hell am I kind of... Like, this is... this that way for, like, three years. Yeah, it's like, this isn't a contender. If it was a contender and this is happening, I'd understand. Like, I'm playing a role on a championship-winning team, but this is a team that scrapes playoff basketball and consistently like a borderline lottery team why the hell am I kind of playing like second or third or fourth fiddle to these guys when I I probably offer more on both ends of the floor than they do whereas if he went to the Lakers I think he helps Russ by giving him an additional guy to spread the floor he helps AD by stopping him from playing the center position for, for basically the entirety of the regular season he can play a bit of power forward. It's not his forte, but he can play a bit of power forward if they want to go small ball. If they want to rest AD at some point, him and LeBron can play power forward and center pretty handily if they want to switch ability because both of them can shoot the ball. If they if they miss out on shot blocking and, and rebounding when AD is off the floor, you've got Miles Turner there to do that. Like He makes the most sense. Jeremy it all Grant, sounds amazing on paper, honestly. Like I'm kind of getting talked into it right now. Oh no! Like he's like, um, by all means, like I'm telling you all the good things. There is bad parts of this game. He, he's quite inconsistent in terms of his, his scoring effort and his rebounding. His shot blocking is the only thing that's pretty consistent. Hmm. But and it's, he's not, he's he's a decent enough free throw shooter. Like he's good at a lot of things. But he's elite, probably at just one. He's an elite, um, re, uh, blocker. That's basically it. But uh, yeah, we're kind of taking care of it in terms of scoring. I'd say between LeBron and AD. Um, another thing I would want to touch on is I'm kind of liking the Russ and LeBron, you know, two man game. I think they're starting to figure out their dynamic and I think it's coming along a little sooner than I thought. I think it's because of, you know, how LeBron's used to play next to ball dominant guys like Wade or, um, you know, other guys like Kyrie, I think playing next to a guy like Russ, I think he knew how to approach that. The Russ AD dynamic, I thought would have come along a little bit more by now. I know AD has been hurt. And AD's just hasn't been himself, honestly. Um, but I am liking this dynamic we're seeing from Russ and LeBron. Do you have any thoughts on that as well? Yeah, I really like it. But the thing that's uh, it's not annoying me, but I think we are kind of force-feeding that lineup at this moment in time because obviously AD is out. But I'm a firm believer we're expending too much of LeBron's energy in, in the regular season. I his minutes are pretty high up there. His usage is pretty high. He's mm-hmm. playing a lot harder in the regular season than he kind of should be. Like, Russ is meant to be there to kind of uh, lighten the load. And he does in certain instances. But I still think LeBron's having to expend an awful lot of energy in the regular season at 37 years old. 38? Yeah, he's 38 now. His birthday just went. Um, he's expending so much energy in the regular season that I don't think it's going to be tenable for him to kind of play at a really high level come uh, come the playoffs. Like, it's just, it's going to be very, very difficult. It's because of that. I'm, I'm a little more forgiving of him not closing out on a guy in the corner or him, you know, maybe one little fuck up here and there. I, I'm giving him a little bit of leeway because he's doing so much on offense right now. Um, but he's averaging 36.9 minutes a game. We're looking at the stats here now for this year. Yeah. The previous year, 33.4. The chip year, 34.6. The disaster year before that, 35.2. Um, his final Cavs year where he was literally put that that team was just LeBron James's back. Um, he's averaging the same number of minutes. 
And, you know, this is, you know, AD going down has a role in that. I'm with you, though. I think we definitely got to cut down on that because just in the back of my head, I have the horror story of Kobe's last, you know, elite year with us where he hurt his Achilles. That's, that's constantly in the back of my mind. Is I, that feel, I feel just, I feel like cursed for bringing it up, so I'm going to knock on some wood. Okay, we're good. Um, there we go. Knocking on the head. Yeah, man. LeBron minutes thing is concerning as well, but he is absolutely fucking balling right now. 28.5 points a game. Looking at LeBron's um, stats on the year here, his shootings really come around a lot too. I mean, it's been trending upwards for a little bit now, but isn't he such a consistent three-point shooter now? Yeah, 37% is pretty nuts. Like, mm-hmm. I remember they used to just look at LeBron and was like, this dude's just going to the hole every time or shooting from mid-range. But now, like, they have, it has to be respected. Yeah. Like, I think it's actually, I, I think that's, like, one of the, the things that really doesn't get talked about. And it's pretty remarkable. Imagine being, like, 37, 38 years of old, old and shooting the best, probably your best three, well, Top, I'm looking at the stats here. His third ever best, like my this last year, second last year in Miami, 40%. But that's mm-hmm. only half the man it makes. Like he's oh taking, my god, he shot 40% from three that year. Yeah, that yeah, that 2012 well, LeBron year was one of my favorite. It's probably my favorite non, you know, like non-Kobe year by yeah. a player. And the stuff that Giannis is doing now is you know up there too. But 2012 LeBron, bro, that was a once in a lifetime fucking oh, event. 100 percent But even think about now. He's shooting twice as many, even more than twice as many shots, and he's making a kind of 37% clip. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, you, have, you, have, you have to kind of give respect to a guy at that. Like, he's, he's four time MVP, he's won four championships. He's like, he's been, he's been this, the gold standard for so long, and he's still finding ways to better his game. Like, that's mm-hmm. great. Like, He's realizing that like the league changed when Steph came along and the Golden State Warriors came along. He knew, knew he needed to kind of add a new kind of caveat to this game. He did it. Like that's just that's that's actually crazy. Like, that's honestly the kind of caveat you want to add when you're at his big old age. Um, you yeah. want you want to get better at threes because it doesn't require as much exertion. You know, I look at the disaster year prior to our chip year, you know, with LeBron and the kids. He took so many bad long long threes early in the shot clock and he used to piss me off so fucking much because that was also a year he wasn't trying on defense that much so he's not trying on defense and he's jacking up these really long shots but look at in and out i'm like this was probably practice for like this moment right now i think he this sounds bad i just don't think he respected luke walton as a coach i, I think that was certainly part of it too. i think he probably just looked he and said, was like fuck this coach fuck these yeah. guys i'm gonna ju- i'm gonna work on my long ball right now yeah he's probably just like I've won more championships than you. Sit your ass down, or I've well, he, played against you. You're never team with LeBron too. Yeah, it's like you've you've never been a better player than me in my life. I'm probably a more have a higher basketball IQ than you. You just probably did not respect anything. He's he. And Walton hasn't really proved himself, even with the like war, the Kings. Now he's got to let go, but I think he's just like like dude, fuck you. Like I'm I'm gonna do me. Like mm. this is, I was told that this is going to be a difficult year. We're waiting for AD next year. I'm just going to chill. I and uh, yeah, as, <laughs> as we're going off on tangents here, but uh, yeah, uh, I just think like LeBron is having a crazy, crazy year. It's, I mean, but actually, just uh, last thing I know, I brought Miles Turner. I bring up one more time. I think the but the most important thing Miles Turner would bring to this Lakers team is he finally gives the Lakers a lineup where they can rest both LeBron and AD as in the Lakers have made it very well known when both guys are healthy, they want at least one of the guys on the floor at all times. They want LeBron trying to be on the floor, AD be on the floor. If they were to get a guy like Miles Turner, there's lineups in which they can rest both and have Miles Turner and Westbrook be the, surround surround them with shooters. And that be like I could see a lineup right now of Miles Turner, Carmelo Anthony, probably go small ball. I'll go Austin Reeves. I'll go Malik Monk, and I'll go Russ. Like mm-hmm. you've bit of defense, a bit of shooting, but I could see that being like a really good second unit that can still score, can still shot block, can, and can still defend at a pretty decent level. Like I could easily see that happening and then being successful. Like they've, LeBron is going to burn himself out. This is every game I'm watching is him try hard, especially like in the fourth quarter. 
it's there's going to be it's something's going to happen. I hope it's not his body. Knocking on wood again. Yeah, right. something is going to happen. Like we saw this with Kobe's last year. I know we've mentioned it already. We saw this in Kobe's last year. It is going to happen. Like you know, Father Time is undefeated. And it, like makes the, is, it makes the acquisition of Westbrook a little more appealing. If you know, if Westbrook can you know take possessions out of Bron's hands. Hopefully that is good enough to keep us winning games. But if it keeps LeBron safe by making Westbrook, you know, handle a little more, drive a little more, that gives me that gives me some solace. I generally think Turner unlocks Westbrook. I think he needs a big man that can move, that can stretch the floor. Like obviously we he wants to do that with AD. AD got injured, and AD like, wasn't stretching the floor. <laughs> yeah, AD was just AD just like shooting his mid range. AD shot was on compressing the floor. He was like yeah. pushing it back in towards the paint. Yeah, I think this opens everything up. I think they need a guy who just can say, "Ron, you you just relax. We got we got this for like the second unit. We're we're fine. You don't need to be on the floor, AD. You're banged up. You don't don't need to be on the floor. Russ, right? The ball's yours right now. Do what you do. What you do, but." Realize that we you are we are one surrounded with three point guys and do that like stop I can like I can it's actually criminal I can name every single thing that Russ does wrong and every single thing is fixable if he stops passing in a clogged lane he's going to reduce his turnovers by about fifty percent if he stops taking ill advised three point shots and goes to kind of take corner threes he gets more efficient if I think he says, he's gotten a little bit better at that over the course of yeah. the years I think I, I yeah. think he's, he's his shot selection is a little better. You know, he's got that left elbow, which is yeah. his his like one, his one efficient mid range shot. I don't, I don't mind that left elbow bank and the corners. He's good. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, he. I think he's gotten a little better there. But the other yeah. things that you're mentioning and keep going by all means. Yeah, like the, if he if he settles for his bank shot, it's golden. If he if he goes into the lane, go like he, obviously his athleticism is kind of waning a little bit now. I think it's more so tiredness than his athleticism waning. I think he's so he's many nice. missed dunks and, you know, yeah. smoked layups, dude. It's, it's the rust experience. Fucking yeah. Hell. I think he can still finish at the rim at an elite rate. I think he just needs to stop going for the dunk and just go for a, a, like an athletic layup, even though that's kind of failing him as well. If he, but the thing I think would probably be the most beneficial, Russ has so many t- uh, turnovers from cross court passes. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's it's fucking criminal how many times he goes from one side of the key to the other and shoots the ball. Have a guy at the top of the pole. Have, have the guy at the top of the arc. Use him as your buffer. Go around him, and you're you're going to shift the defense in terms of they're going to follow you. So more than likely, there's going to be a guy open in your nearest corner, open or a cutter. Like there's always going to be at least one or or both of that. Then things happen and use that. Like it's some of the stuff he does is just it's so fixable, but it's just. He doesn't want to. And obviously his effort on defense, if you just switch that on and change his game. Like Russ, if he just did these simple things, probably probably is like an all-NBA performer because he has the stats to back it up right now. Like he has his borderline 20 points per game. He has his down near triple-double. But if he just turns, stops with the stupid turnovers, stops taking bad three-point shots, oh, I, I, he's, he's most... I can now understand why so many teams have been frustrated with him. Like, he is... When he's I honest, quickly under, understood the Russell Westbrook yeah. experience. Like, one game in, I think I was like, okay, I get about 60% of this. And, you know, like, three games in, I'm like, I completely understand yeah. the, the, the Russ fucking thing. Criminal. I've complained enough, so I'll, I'll stop complaining. Yeah. Um, we've talked about a lot, man. It's been great so far. But last thing we should touch on is just Rajon Rondo got traded who's been sitting on our bench, kind of our Jared Dudley character. Um, he essentially gets traded to the Cavaliers, and I think the Knicks were involved for essentially an open roster spot, which I think we'll use on Stanley Johnson. Um, I don't mind this Rondo trade so much because I don't think he was going to give us a lot of encore contributions. I am going to miss him unlocking AD, though, because once Rondo stepped on the floor, AD just went up a level every fucking time. You know, something about seeing his boy step on the floor just made the alley-oops go down. Um, I'm going to miss that. And I'm going to miss the small chance that playoff Rondo could have showed up because I Rondo's wild, man. Remember in our playoff run, Rondo was hurt the first, you know, a few weeks of the bubble and he just checks back in and then he has a playoff Rondo game. If he can do that, I'm pretty confident that after 
couple years later, you know what he's like in his mid thirties now, he probably could have had some other games like that. Um, but I'd rather go with younger pieces and, you know, give, if it means giving Stanley Johnson a spot, that's infinitely more useful than um, keeping Rondo around for that chance. But what are your thoughts on Rondo, man? I'll tell you exactly what I miss, I'll miss about Rondo the most. I'll miss him having the potential to two-piece Chris Paul again in a Lakers uniform. That might that's have been all. his greatest Laker highlight. That's all I want. If I could see that one more time, like it, it, it was just, just perfection. The look of bewilderment on CP3's face when he's getting absolutely pieced up. <laughs> but uh no i'll well i'll miss about like obviously yeah playoff run though if if that ever became a thing again you'd want to see in the lakers uniform but i think his body is pretty much spent i think the lakers we they all like they always talked about the brain trust and like lebron james ad rajon rondo jared dudley i think i think at this stage when you have an older team you have experience, you have basketball IQ, you have a bunch of guys you can talk to about kind of the X's and O's and guys who like they know what they're doing. But there's no point in have carrying I'm not saying not saying he's dead weight, but there's no point in carrying a player who you don't plan on playing that many minutes per game. You don't plan on using them in the playoffs. If you need if you can use a guy who can be like who's seemingly been a tone setter so far for the Lakers on defense and who can help them in the here and now and going forward, you do that. Rondo, I like I I, I know what you mean about playoff Rondo. And if he if he came back, like if he if he went to Cleveland and Cleveland made the playoffs and he turns into playoff Rondo, I'll be sick. If he just <laughs> I will be sick if that happens and I'll just be like, God damn you, Rondo. Like, Keep your eye on it because I don't think it's out of the question, honestly. Rondo Rondo is an enigma, dude. No, and I think that team in Cleveland is perfect for him. Like they have a bunch of three-point shooters. They have a bunch of young guys who can do all the running. You can hear just dribble the ball up the court and go, there you go. There's the ball way into pocket for you, Kevin Love. I will say he's going to have he's gonna have some ugly moments for them, though, in the regular season. That much oh, I know. 100%. And they can go, oh, Jared Allen, you're kind of descending the pick and roll. There you go. There's a nice lob for you. Mm-hmm. Like Evan Mobley. Oh, that's going to be nasty. Jared Allen and Rondo throwing the lobs to him. Yeah, man. Yeah. Then you have Evan Moby, really good player. Then is it Darius Garland or injured, or is it Sexton's um, injured? Sexton's happened. Yeah. Then you have Darius Garland. I think actually, I think then you have Rick. Like, if they keep if Rubio is healthy, like they obviously they wouldn't sign Rondo. But yeah, that that's gonna be that could be a dangerous team. But uh, you know, I think yeah, his time is pretty much done with the Lakers. You need young some young blood there. Mm-hmm. You need. And like if when Kendrick Nunn comes back, Rondo is pretty much obsolete. Like you have Avery Bradley, you have Russ, and you have Kendrick Nunn. You're you're going to be the fourth guard on a on a point guard there, and that makes no sense for you. You can't really play any other positions. You have if you want to go to shooting guard, you have a bunch of guys there. You are going to be a, pretty much a non-factor until the playoffs. And at this stage, you can't like Lakers are in a stage where they might not even make make the playoffs if they keep playing kind of. We need zero. we need useful guys, especially with the randomness of COVID protocols. You just never fucking know, man. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. But we talked about a lot, man. That was great. I think, uh, I think I'm going to wrap it up now. You got any final thoughts before we go? Uh, hopefully we make a trade that kind of benefits the Lakers kind of in the short and long term. I know they're looking. I know, mm-hmm. I know they're looking. I know they wanted Ben Simmons. But that door is closing by the day because of how badly Russ is playing. Um, yeah, I think we do make a trade. I think THT is going to be the going to be the guy that they move on from. Him. Probably Kendrick Nunn as well. But yeah, I hopefully the hopefully we get better when we make a trade. We get a win now piece. We win some more games. We kind of solidify like a nice playoff position. I don't want to go. I don't want to go into kind of like a the playing tournament. Like I don't want the the, the stress of that. Yeah, but other than that, this Lakers team, if, if, if it starts to click, they'll rattle off wins. They have, but they have a pretty hard um, – I think that is a, they have a pretty hard end to the season. Like They have a lot of really good teams they have to play. But yeah, mm-hmm. hopefully we show up, we make the playoffs, and we win again. But I'm not going to hold my breath. There's too many good teams this year. There's a lot of good teams, and I'm still not convinced we're a contender yet. But I think we have a decent amount of time – 
And with LeBron still playing at this level, there still feels like there's a chance, dude. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I think even though he's a clutch client, there's no way LeBron doesn't move on from THT if he means like he gets another chance at chip. He's mm-hmm. dying to match Michael. He wants five. Well, Michael, Michael's got six, isn't he? Five or six? Michael's six, so Ron, Ron would be Kobe's five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kobe's five. He wants to get, like, get as close to the goal as possible, so people can say, like, like that's me now. But he, with THT, he's not winning a piece. Lakers need winning pieces. LeBron is always moved on. It just doesn't match yeah. up right now. LeBron has always moved on from these guys to make sure they, that he got winning pieces. Like, obviously worked out with likes of moving Anthony Bennett on pieces to get kind of Kevin Love. But, yeah, it's – is Anthony Bennett? Yeah. Yeah, Anthony Bennett, the first overall, goddamn, that was a bad day. Um, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't line up at the moment. He'll move on from THT. He'll get another piece, and they'll probably make it to maybe the semis and get knocked out by the Warriors or the Suns. That's that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. We can uh, we'll have you back on soon, man. This is great. We'll we'll talk about you know playoff potential and all that other shit. But absolutely, thanks for coming on, man. Enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Thank you.